This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Niranjan Kavadi, a spine surgeon in Oklahoma City. Dr. Kavadi, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. Now, I know we'll talk a lot about some of the big trends in spine and devices and technology developments that you're following right now. But before we dive into that discussion, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. So I, I was born and grew up in India. I did my basic schooling, my college med school in India. And regarding my spine career, so I, I actually did three years of spine fellowship, uh, one year of pediatric orthopedics and pediatric spine uh, at Mass General in Boston. And then I did two years of adult spine fellowship, one at uh, UAB in Birmingham, Alabama, and then one at upstate New York in Syracuse. And then I'm practicing in Oklahoma City for the last seven years. I, I am at the VA Medical Center here. And I'm also the teaching faculty. I'm the clinical associate professor with the University of Oklahoma. So work with the residents on their day-to-day training. And I'm, I'm happy to be doing my clinical and academic work here. Well, fantastic. That's you know great to hear, and obviously very important work that you're doing now. When you look at you know the whole healthcare landscape, what are the three top trends that you're following right now? Yeah, well, quite challenging to just point down to three, but uh, let me see. So, with the current situation, especially what I'm looking forward to is basically the post-pandemic preparedness. I would say. Uh, last year or so, we all know our our personal, our professional lives, and most importantly, the patient care that we offer has been disrupted to great extent. There have been so many delays, and uh, the pandemic has kept us apart because of social distancing, because of several other issues as well. So uh, I'm following that very closely, like what's going to happen in future. When do we come back to so-called quote-unquote normalcy or when when do we start getting back to the normal practice? Uh, in that part, I'm specifically looking at the, the virtual care options, the telehealth. I believe uh, personally that going forward, this is going to be the main part of our practice, main part of the patient care that we offer. And I think it's certainly a great uh, avenue. Of course, not everyone will qualify for virtual care, but if we screen patients appropriately, it's a great tool. Now, this uh, and uh, that's something I see from the cost-saving perspective as well, like the patient travel and the uh, in-person visits, they do have their own advantages. But if you can save all of that travel and with the social distancing issues, the virtual care is a very good option. Now that gets me into my next point, the healthcare spending. This, that's, the, that's another thing that I follow. And uh, based on, of course, the healthcare analytics, we know there's more and more data coming out and we definitely want to reduce the waste and do the lean processing and see what's good and what's not good and where you can best utilize the healthcare practices to offer the high quality and value-based patient care so that we can uh, still keep offering the care but bring the healthcare spending, the expenditure down. Now, another thing that 
I'm quite excited and I'm following pretty closely is, uh, so as, as surgeons, we are always trained to think or over time, as you're practicing, we tend to get a tunnel vision, so to speak. Like uh, whenever we are treating patients, we always look at them from surgical perspective. And I, I love surgery, but what I also love is uh, the holistic approach that has been developing to address the back and neck pain or the overall pain issues that we deal with the patients. So here here in our hospitals at the Oklahoma City VA, we have developed a program where we have a collaborative meeting of uh, all the surgeons, the neurologists, the uh, pain management physicians, and several mental health providers as well. We have uh, incorporated cognitive behavioral therapies and mental health programs to to help the veterans with their overall pain management. So I'm I'm definitely following that trend as well, and I think the multidisciplinary collaboration is definitely going to be useful for our patients. Got it. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating to hear. So thinking about some of those collaborations and. Um, you know, figuring out how surgeons fit within kind of the overall continuum of care for patients. What do you see as being really, you know, the the most valuable or innovative breakthrough in terms of using the data to understand what patients need um, and, and reduce costs and then, you know, building out the, the right type of network to support patients, whether they're surgical or not? Like I said, uh, mainly, uh, so we, we like to look at the outcomes of all of these patients, and we have been offering these programs for the last uh, more than five years now. And when we see the numbers, what characteristics of individual patients uh, we can get benefits from and how we can modify that. Of course, there are going to be some modifiable factors and some non-modifiable factors, but when we review all the data and the results of all of these patients, we are coming up with some favorable outcomes, and of course, we, we are going to write it up. We are going to publish it in the future, but that's how the data is helping us. Got it. That makes sense. Uh, so thinking on the now device and technology side, what are some of the most promising developments that you're seeing right now? Well, good question. So uh, actually, I'm, I'm pretty thrilled about the endoscopic spine surgery. And last year taught us that uh, many, that traditionally the spine surgery has been in patient admission and extensive uh, surgical procedures. But what I like about endoscopic spine is it uh, basically I call it targeted approach, meaning so in the traditional spine surgery, there is going to be some collateral damage like you have to expose. So there's going to be some muscle damage, some bone damage, but with the endoscopic spine, you can directly reach the target pathology without causing any damage to the surrounding tissues. And of course, uh, we, we get more into the outpatient surgery, most of this endoscopic spine surgeries. And now uh, worldwide people are also doing awake spine surgeries with the advent of endoscopic decompression. So I'm pretty excited about that part. As, as we go forward, uh, outpatient spine surgery, I think is gonna play a big role Absolutely. Yeah, I know, you know, there have been more procedures migrating to the outpatient setting recently, and even some more of the um, complex procedures, you know, there are ways to um, do them in the outpatient that are still safe and effective for patients. Is there anything, you know, when you think about whether it's device and technology or other trends that you feel like is hyped up more than it deserves to be? Uh, 
Uh, well, in general, thinking about technology, I don't think so. I'm, I'm a very optimistic person, but at the same time, I like to be cautious, not jumping on the thing right when they come out of the gate. And one of those things I would say is, so nowadays uh, we are doing single position like lateral fusions or oblique uh, lumbar fusions and then putting the percutaneous screws. We are trying to achieve that in either single position, either lateral or prone position. And of course, navigation has played a big role into that. But when you add a robot to that equation, I'm not uh, convinced yet completely how much value that brings. But we are certainly very early in the robotic field development in the in the spine surgery arena. So I would like to keep an eye on that. I would I wouldn't say necessarily it's a high, but that's something that I'm cautious about at this point. Whether how much of that I want to accept in my practice and how much value it's going to bring. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Um, and definitely, you know, like you said, it's important to to be cautious and make sure that anything you're doing adds value and is good for the patients. Now, finally, before we wrap up our conversation today, is there anything else that you're really excited about or nervous about? Sure. So uh, whatever uh, the, the pandemic the last year has taught us, I look at that as, as a learning opportunity. Uh, the way we treat patients, the way we deliver healthcare has changed quite significantly. And sometimes when you think back, the Sometimes things happen for good, so it has taught us many things, how we can bring the healthcare costs down while continuing to offer high-quality healthcare for the patients. And it has definitely made all of us better providers, having this new knowledge. I'm definitely excited about bringing more and more virtual care options, may they be video and audio. Of course, the patient satisfaction definitely is number one priority. Uh, more of more outpatient surgeries. So definitely that's the excitement. Nervous, and like I said, I'm, I'm generally optimistic about things, but uh, I'm, I'm just following the new rise in pandemic cases. Hopefully this is just a small spurt and we can get uh, the cases due to new Delta variant under control as soon as possible. And then hopefully we can get back to normalcy and start seeing more and more patients so that we can provide them timely care. Dr. Kafadi, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really great discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thank you.